This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Happy Sunday, everybody, from the PTB Wrestling Network and everyone else around the world. Welcome to tonight's special, tonight's special, very special broadcast. Tonight, we're going back to 1989 for a slice of uh, NWA slash WCW history. And that is the Chi-Town Rumble on this uh, Stream Lounge slash PTVN Wrestling Network uh, look at February. Of course, there were plenty of Royal Rumbles in the month of January. So this month, we are going to do some shows from the month of February. And there's a lot of great uh, you know, WWE shows in the history of wrestling in February, uh, including, of course, the very first uh the very first in your house in- how about now am i speaking now there you are mr diener sir oh my god i don't know what happened all good brother all good all right so i was just giving a little background it's good to have you of course sir thank you for yeah for being with me um and you know i grew up in a house of ranger fans so respect given don't worry about it i'm just, I'm just hey being funny did you grow up a met fan in a family full of yankees i did fans, so. and a laker fan full of nick fans and a cowboy <laughs> fan full of giants uh, trust me i've gotten beaten i've gotten verbally abused by plenty and then i wave all the championships oh. in my face so their face so <laughs> anyway well you at least you have 86 i do have 86 and i was alive for that not many were but i was <laughs> i was two so mm. it's still I 12 i know <laughs> all right so greg let's fire the sucker up i hope everybody's got it up Oh, yeah. Uh, here we go. Uh, not a terribly long show, just under two and a half hours. Not a bad, not a bad pay-per-view length. Yeah. So here we go. I'm going to knock my audio down a scoosh. Okay. I don't need to hear it, really. So here we go. So everybody count down. And here we go. So there's the... So I find it funny that NWA stole Mid-South's opening music <laughs> after, they, after they bought them. Uh Yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. Um, so we get a nice open, and there is the opening graphic, the Chi-Town Rumble 89. And we are live at the uh, UIC Pavilion in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, did this venue host Super Clash? Yeah. Didn't this venue host Super Clash a few months earlier? Um, I think so. I know they did. Yeah, Super Clash 3. I was going to mention that. Yeah. They did host Super Clash 3, which took place in uh, December of 1988. That was the big uh, uh, Jerry Lawler and Kerry Ke- Von Erich unification involving uh, the AWA and World Class Heavyweight Championships. That was the infamous match where uh, uh, where Kerry Von Erich was supposedly high as a kite. He accidentally bladed his arm before the match for no reason at all. And, and, uh, and uh, of course, Jerry, because they ended the match due to blood loss, uh, Jerry Lawler uh, won both belts. And, of course, there was yeah. a lot of 
stuff going on between um, Lawler and the AWA and all sorts of all that kind of stuff. So we see Jim Ross and uh, Magnum TA, who I'm going to be honest, even though he, of course, could never wrestle again after the car accident in 1986, actually looks pretty good. Uh, A lot of people thought that he started looking pretty decrepit even right after, but no. Uh, Greg, he looks pretty he good. He still looks three good. Years out, two, yeah. two and a half years after getting uh, pretty wrecked in that accident. Yeah, and uh, I wish I had hair like Magnum right here. That's no glorious right? hair. My God. Yeah. It'd be amazing to have hair that good. Um, and Jay, so we have a full card, now- seven matches on the card. Yeah. Um, we have, let's see, let me get my glasses here. We have one, two, four title matches, including the one Sean Kidd hates that anybody talks about. Um, we did have, we do have a loser leaves NWA match between oh. old Midnight Express and new Midnight Express. And then uh, the TV title, the U.S. title, the tag titles, and of course the world heavyweight title all on the line. And we have a couple of singles matches uh, coming up before that. Um, when was the first time, Greg, that you saw this show? I think maybe when the network launched, because I know I I saw the Flair Steamboat match on the greatest wrestling stores of the 80s DVD. That's when I first saw it. But it's like back in the day, it's like you could never find uh, any WCW yeah. VHS um, And uh, now we're getting a little montage. Of some of our superstars wrestling on this evening. Um, I did not watch this show live. Uh, I did not watch this show live. Um, I probably rented the tape a few months after. And of course, if you remember back in those days, um, you know, the tapes were uh, severely edited. Um, yeah. I had like the Slamboree. Yeah, I had the Slamboree 95 VHS tape, and that was heavily edited. Yeah. Uh, speaking of 1995, I don't know if this was that match. Was this show in April or May? Maybe, maybe we'll, uh, I'd like to have Jennifer Smith on because we'll be able, we'll do uh, Uncensored 95. Oh, I want, I definitely like want to be there for that because I remember watching yeah. that live. That was great. Arguably one of her favorite papers. She said a house show tonight. Oh, actually, that's as we're recording. She said a WWE house show tonight. Um, yeah, this is uh, – yeah, so we'll do that in April. But we're going to be here every month doing all sorts of shows. I know you did a few in January, Greg. Uh, I tried to do one, but but, but Streamlounge gave me the, the heave-ho the, that night. The middle we got all that worked out, as you can see. We're here. Um, but uh, I do have uh, – of course, March is a big uh, – month for WrestleMania. I've already got one scheduled. I'll let you know when at the end of the at the end of our broadcast here. I do have a WrestleMania already scheduled. Have my coffee here to keep me keep me going for this uh, Sunday evening. And uh uh this is a great 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 platform and we have a lot of fun here and now that they were able to get Peacock, we could do some classic uh do some classic shows to yes. you know, get us excited. Get us excited for uh for our uh uh, you know, yeah, for all of our big shows. Uh, if you've uh, if you're here, please join us. Uh, down in the chat. Uh, if you're here, we would love to hear from you, and uh, we would love to hear from you and see what's going on down there. So join us, give us your thoughts. And uh, Bob Caudle is interviewing Michael Hayes, who's in the first match of the night. He'll be taking on 
the Russian assassin. Uh, I'm going to take a look and see who the Russian assassin is, uh, Greg. But we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll walk him when we see him walk into the ring. Yeah, we'll we'll take a look and see if we can guess who that actually is. Hmm. Um, see if some of our listeners can figure out and viewers can figure out who uh, the angel of death actually or the well, he was the angel of death too, but he was the uh, the uh, Russian assassin, and that's who Michael Hayes is taking on. Michael Hayes looks a little wrecked here. Yeah, he might have had a few ones before the show. Yeah, I think he did. I think he was bumping. <laughs> uh, I was so happy. I'm glad we're looking at Bob Caudle here. Um, I was so happy to watch. I, I watched on Fight TV when it finally came up as a uh, as part of the Fight Plus subscription. I got to watch the Ric Flair's last match show. And Bob Caudle is actually, was actually did the opening. And I, I forgot oh. Bob Caudle was still alive, to be honest. But he's got to be in his... 90s yeah late 80s early 90s at this point but you know legendary voice of crockett i know he's a big fan of uh i know chad campbell's a big fan of bob Cottle. so um so there yeah so there's seven matches on this show three of them uh regular singles matches and then we have our four uh our four title matches and and we have our first match and here we go coming uh to the ring Oh, this is the great entrance music. Oh, God. So good. Uh, love the three-bird theme. I actually bought this on iTunes like a couple years ago. Did you really? That's yes. awesome. That's fantastic. Oh, by, by the way, I hate to interrupt, but I'm I'm watching while this is going on. You might notice on the TV I got the 30 for 30 for the, uh, that's premiering tonight for the Ravens. And you'll love this, Scott. They just showed Brian Billick's appearance on Match Game in 1977. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, USA. There's Michael Hayes, whose hair. The reason I'm saying this is hair is usually nice and nice and quaffed. And here it's a little uh, kind of like, like you just got out of the shower. Yeah, it's like dirty dangoed. I don't know what that's about, but. He's a baby face here, of course. How much longer is Paul Jones here for? Um, not sure actually. Uh, I gotta take. I gotta take a look at that. Um, he's gone by. He's not there at ninety, right? I don't think so. So there's the Russian assassin. I'm gonna put on my glasses here because I want to see who the heck that's. I think I spy a Mont. Is that a Montreal Expos hat? This one guy's wearing. Yes, yes, and I got oh. one right up, right about five feet away from me. Yeah, I have my Montreal Expo hat about five feet away from me. This is one of Fantastic. the fun parts of these shows: seeing what what sports teams' jerseys that they're wearing. Or I know, right? It's crazy, right? So let me see. So Paul Jones. Let's see. Of course, Paul Jones passed away just a few years ago, 2018, yeah. he was 75. Um, let's see. Uh, while we're looking at them locking up, uh, um, it says he left in 1989. Um, Jones left Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, which had in the prior year been renamed World Championship Wrestling. So it doesn't – I don't see any specifics on Wikipedia. It just says that he left in 1989. So he definitely is not there in 1990. 
Yes. But one of my favorite things that I was watching, because a couple of months ago, I was on like a peacock rabbit hole on my Fire TV, and I was watching Starcade 85 between Paul Jones and um, the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. And wow. they were in a tuxedo street fight. I'm like, what the hell? I've never heard of a tuxedo street fight in my life. I know, it's crazy. But yeah, it is an insane. And the people, they just love Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant. Oh my God. Yeah, they did. Every time he comes out, it's like they go absolutely apeshit for him. Okay, who is. Crazy. Uh, did we figure out who the Russian assassin is? Uh, the Russian assassin. Let's take a look. Uh, the Russian assassin was the angel of death. His name was okay. David Sheldon. American David professional Sheldon. wrestler, better known by his ring name, Angel of Death. He wrestled in various uh, regional promotions during the 80s and early 90s. He was in Stampede, World Class, UWF as the body, ironically, as the bodyguard of the Freebirds. That's pretty funny. Um, oh, that's And in great. Jim Crockett Promotions, where he was the first man to portray the Black Scorpion. So, uh, oh. so he wrestled into 91. Uh by the early 90s, he continued to wrestle in Texas indie promotions. Uh, he retired in 1995. He died in November of 2007. Uh, so that was pretty sad. So there you go. So that's that's the Russian assassin who, of course, there were hundreds of Russian assassins over the history of uh, professional wrestling. So Jack Campbell in the in the uh, chat joining us. Hello. Adley. Hello. Big fan of the show. Who's not really? Yeah. I'm trying to think. This is like, in terms of like, a show for NWA. It's like, what before? Discluding mm-hmm. Starcades, you had Bunkhouse Stampede. Great American Bash and this, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So this is like the third, I think the third non-Starcade NWA pay-per-view. Yeah, Wait, most of the, yeah, because Starcade started in 83. Uh, the first Bash pay-per-view was 88 because that was the first uh, of the Sting, um, I'm sorry, the uh, Flair Luger matches. And then... Uh, um, and then, uh, yeah, Bell Cow Stampede, which was in January of, uh, 88. So, um, I'm trying to think where the other guys are. Buddy Roberts, I don't think was even wrestling anymore by 1989. No. And maybe Chad's probably in old Japan. Yeah. If you're listening there, Chadley, um, where was Terry Gordy in uh, 89? And why was he not in Crockett? I'm just curious. Um, but Paul Jones is not here to... Paul Jones is like the last vestige, Greg, of like that... Those like prime 80s uh, oh. uh, Crockett managers. Uh, oh, chat answers. Uh, oh, Buddy was... Oh, Buddy was still kicking around in world class. Oh, all right. Jesus. <laughs> 
Because wh- didn't like the Freebirds like reform with Buddy and uh, Terry Gordy and Iceman Parsons? For yes, Iceman Parsons turned heel. I think sometime in '88. Yeah, that 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 was when Fritz had the heart attack. World class was in the toilet at that point. Fritz had yeah. the big heart attack, and yeah, that was that was garbage although, by then. Although Kevin claims it wasn't a heart attack, which yeah, come okay. on, Kev, we love you, but yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, oh, that's right. Good call, Chad. Chad said that Terry Gordy was in yeah. all Japan at this point. I that figured. makes sense. Yeah. Because within a few years, he's teaming with uh, – he's obviously teaming with uh, uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, is arguably probably one of my favorite tag teams that ever lived, and that is the Miracle Violence Connection. That team is yeah. so good. Damn, that team is so good. Yes. Guys, just, and of course, them and the Steiners had epic potato matches in 1992. This is why we have Chad, guys, because Chad's awesome, and he knows every little nook and cranny. It's great to have him around. Thanks for coming on tonight, Chad. Um, every, mat, this, every match on this card is at least 15 minutes, except one. And that one, the one that's mercifully short, should be. But every match, then again, it's only seven matches, so that's not that big a deal. Um. So you were then, f- so you were what, five? So you weren't really, you were not watching wrestling. No. <laughs> I, we did, we, I was, because my brother and I would watch like WF Superstars on Channel 5 right. in New York all the time. But it's like, here in New York, it's like, in my area on Long Island, we didn't get TBS until 94. Really? So oh, like, wow. all, my ac- all my access for WCW was either through the pay-per-views or worldwide, which was on um, in like '93, it was on at like midnight on a sat like late Saturday night, early Sunday morning on Channel Two opposite right. SNL. Yeah, uh, where I grew up in Central, in the New Haven area in Central Connecticut, uh, I had TBS going back because I remember watching uh, the Saturday Night Show in '85, uh, building to. Uh, to the Ga- Starcade, the Gathering, um, the awesome feud for between uh, Rick and Dusty, where Dusty got his that awesome beat down in the cage when they snapped uh, when they broke Dusty's ankle and he had to have the the the, the, oh, yeah. the boot and everything. Oh my God, what a build! Yeah, we get to Starcade in uh, towards the end of the year. Uh, that that will probably be one I do. I, I think I'll, I'll probably do Starcade '85 because I can never get sick of that show. Pay per views I've ever watched in my life, and. Being the big WWF fan I am, because I grew up in the in the shadow of it, like you did. Um, Starcade '85 is one of those cards that I literally can't not put down or not put on. Oh, it's great when you, you know? watch it on Peacock. It's amazing. Yeah. So, what was the first WCW show you watched live, Greg? Uh, I think it was Beach Blast '93 on Scramble Vision, or okay. like on a Cheater Box. Squ- is even squ- I don't remember if it was Squiggles or if it was, but it was like <laughs> I probably watched it at a friend's house, and I remember, I think the first match I ever saw was I think the opener had the Hollywood Blondes in it, and my first impression was of Steve Austin, Brian Pullman. These guys are awesome. Like it was like, in like one minute, I'm like, oh, these guys rule. 
And I don't, I don't know what it was about WCW. It was like, it looked different. I mean, it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't WWF, but it's like, you look at the turnbuckles there. They, they're like, there's no logo on the turnbuckles. No. Like on WF. And I'm like, fast. It's, or like the ropes are different. It's a different style ring. And I'm like, I kind of liked it. It To me, WCW and WWF in the 90s were kind of like, the only comparison I can make to it in sports is like when you had the AFL and the NFL. How they were like two right. completely different leagues. Yep. But they had like two different styles. Mm-hmm. I thought Magnum TA wasn't too bad on commentary. I don't know how much of it he no. got at this point, but yeah, I think at this point JR is now the because uh, I think Tony's now in WWF at this point. Yeah, he is. Yep, Tony left. Tony was there in like late '88 because '89 is the is Tony's wheelhouse, and he's he's there till um, he's there when Steamboat debuts, right? And I think this is around the time they leave um, the old studio and they go to uh, center stage. Yeah. Because I remember 93. Um, it was on my GWCW Top 100. Um, Sting and uh, Flair had a pretty awesome uh, t- match in September of 93. So... A lot of headlocks in this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not not the best wrestling. No, not 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 the not not the good stuff comes later. In the immortal words of uh uh of uh, Carl from Caddyshack, I don't think the heavy stuff's coming for quite a while. <laughs> but um now nineteen eighty nine, we're beginning arguably for me, Greg, I think one of the greatest years, and I've said this on many, many pods, uh arguably one of the best years in uh in wrestling uh, i've uh, 1989 is a year that i'll always uh, be very fond of wwf yeah. was red hot uh in fact a few weeks earlier we had the main event where savage pimp slapped uh hogan in milwaukee to end the mega powers through the and then and then he then he then they go to the back uh and the, you know he does the you could have you could have challenged me to my face, but that would have been too easy. And then he and then he, then he drills him with the belt. It would have been too easy. Uh, and then we build to one of the best shows ever, WrestleMania five, which also on that night, May, uh, April second is a is a big year in wrestling history. And if you've been if you follow our Twitter at PTBN Wrestling, I do a wrestling time travel every day and give everybody what happened, you know, what big shows happened on this date. And when I get to April second. Uh, which will be at that night two of WrestleMania of this year's WrestleMania. Uh, boy, do we have great wrestling on that day. We had WrestleMania five and we had clash of the champion six, which was match number two uh, between Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair for the, uh, for the uh, world's heavyweight championship, which to me, yeah. uh, that yeah. match to me, that's number one on my GWW list. It, to me, it's the greatest that... NWA match of all time. Second. Oh, match that was mine. That was mine too. It, but it was like always weird because when I watched that match on like uh, I think it was on Flair's first DVD, I'm like, "This is at the Superdome. Why aren't there like forty thousand people?" Here you know, I always Superdome? said that too. Uh, I mean, that whole card 
Uh, and if Chad, if you're still on, I'm curious your thoughts on that on that Clash Six card because that thing was loaded. Uh, of course, only like you know a select few matches made TV because you know that Flair Steamboat match was I think like oh, 58 yeah. minutes, so they couldn't do a ton. But uh, uh, you know. They they had the it was one of those like situations where the lights were really low, so you couldn't get a good shot yeah. of the high part. So it looked like there were forty thousand people there, but it was probably like what, five five thousand. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because I, I think George Scott didn't want to promote it for some reason. I know because he he didn't want to. He thought it would be like oh we can't. It was like sacrilegious to promote a match on free TV years. I, I don't know. know. Well, that was if I mean he used to work for Vince. So that was always, you know, that was a weird thing for him too. So, crowd is kind of hot for this match. I mean, they're they're starting to build a little bit. We're getting some action here in the corner. Yeah. Oh, oh, ah, oh. fell right on his ass. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> no, that was, that was awful. Oh my god. Yeah, this. Uh, I don't know what would I would grade this one. Probably uh, maybe two and a quarter. Um. Uh, oh, we got someone else joining our chat. Same dangerous. Thank you. Welcome. Um, yeah, hop on everybody. Throw on Peacock. There's no, there's no Super Bowl tonight, and the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl uh, game. Eighth, grade, eighth grade competition's already ended. So, <laughs> hop on, have some fun. Last night was NXT Vengeance Day. Next Saturday. Is uh, NWA's pay per view? Enough said. Um, join us here on the PTV Wrestling Network for coverage of that. Uh, Doctor G and I'll have a preview on the NWA Saturday special, and a week from tomorrow, uh, the thirteenth, we will have a reaction special. We will let you know if we are having a Twitch, uh, an alternate commentary Twitch feed. That's kind of up in the air at the moment. We're not quite sure yet. But and then the following Saturday, the eighteenth, is Elimination Chamber. So a couple of weeks of uh, lots of wrestling. Uh, on the weekends here. And an elimination chamber, that's going to be a big show. It is going to be a huge show. The matches are oh, big. Oh, God. Yeah, matches are big. The ch- two chambers are going to be fun. You got Roman and Sammy. Oh, that's going to be an epic. Yeah, in Montreal. The- yeah, oh. Triple H knew what he was doing when he set that up. <laughs> big time. That's why Ooh. he's the smartest man in the business. Yes, he is. <laughs> You're a good man, Greg. Um, oh. There we go. Shoulder block into the post. Michael Hayes. With this some... is. Yeah. With 10 punches. Yep. Your official match is time not... is 1548. And I'm thinking. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> wow. Maybe I'd have made this 1048. <laughs> but probably could have shaved a few minutes. Yeah. NWA was not big on that at the time. I think, you know, even though if they knew. Yeah, I know this isn't the greatest thing on the planet, but that's uh, all right. <laughs> one two yeah there we obviously, go obviously obviously that was an illinois state ref doing the count because that was very crappy ass three count uh, 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 the illinois state athletic commission <laughs> uh if, if anybody had uh if anybody had uh bad street at the time if you had it on a tape, because I think you could order it. I mean, it was a regular yeah. album. I I remember in like the wrestling magazines, even like in like ninety three, they they were still advertising it. Mm. 
Like if you had that album, you were a wrestling man. You were the, you were the man. Right. All right. So, there's a little Ricky. Yes. I wonder if Bonnie was going to tell uh, uh, the NWA. So listen, uh, thanks for letting me win the world title. I got to take uh, the next six months off. Uh, my dog is sick. <laughs> uh, Sean Kidd's favorite wrestler. Oh, that doesn't age well. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I could have said something. I'm sure people have said Bonnie things, but uh, we're not going to go there. No, 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 no. <laughs> Crazy. Stinger. Stinger. Has Sting not reached that level yet that uh, he he couldn't get an entrance? (laughs) Already in the ring. Wow. Jim, uh, Teddy Long's skullet. Woo! Oh, ooh. Against Butch. Butch Reed. Yes. So So Teddy's Teddy's reffing a match against his... uh, Former Doom uh, guy. Yeah, well, future so we Doom guy. Sting and Butch Reed. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you how long this match is. <laughs> oh, geez, I didn't even realize Hiro Matsuda was managing Yes, him. Hiro Matsuda is managing oh, Butch Reed. So, of course, Sting still kind of building it. This was going to be a big year for Sting, a big year for Sting. Obviously... He cut his teeth in, in the UWF, and then uh, obviously the UWF got bought by uh, by Crockett in 1987. Uh, and then, of course, we all know what would happen at Clash 1 when Flair and uh, and Sting wrestled to that 45-minute draw. Um, Sting had a very good uh... – oh, okay. Hiro Matsuda replacing JJ managing was a huge downgrade. Oh, Chad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yankee thumbs stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, and then Sting, you know, spent most of '88, you know, with Dusty, and then and then he kind of went Dusty left and went to the WWF. Uh, you know, Sting kind of kept growing and growing. I'm trying to think who he wrestled at Starcade '88. Not sure. I'm trying to remember. Um, and now '89 is a year that he that he just explodes. Uh, him and Muda would end up having an epic feud for the t- for the uh, for the U.S. title, um, mixing with uh, Flair and and Funk. It was just it was just great. It was great. That's right. He teamed with Dusty versus the Road Warriors at Starcade '88. Yes. That's right. That's right. Good call, Chad. Thank that you. That was what. That, that was when Dusty had the spike from the eye. Yes, and then Dusty got fired and ended up putting up, he put out the polka dots, baby. Um, 
So, um, you know, here's an interesting question I want to bring up, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up my uh, my GWCW uh, list because I wanna I wanna ask everybody who's listening, and I want to ask you, Greg, and since Chad's on, I want him to listen to I want him to hear this too. When I did my GWCW match list a few couple of years ago, and we did it for the for the website for PlaceBeNation.com. Um, I asked myself if the flick, cause I have a ton of sting. I mean, I have a ton of flare matches, obviously. I think half my, I think a third of my list is flare matches. Big shock for me. Um, but I had, let me look now here. Um, where did I have the, waiting for the thing to load. Here we go. Uh, I'm trying to look to see where I had. That Flair Sting match from Clash 1. And uh, let's see where I have it. Um, because I feel like that was a... Oh, here it is. I had it at 32. It was number 32 on my GWCW slash NWA top 100 matches of all time. I had it 32. And I feel like if this was... 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago, that match would be in the top 10. So I say to myself, as I was doing doing my list, has that match aged well? Um, you know, has it? does it feel dated? You know, I love that match. But when I look at it and I see that I put it at 32, I'm like, wow, did I like undergrade it? Is it a top 25 match? Still, you know, is it a top 10 match still? I mean, it was a top 10 match for most of the 90s if you were grading matches. But I don't know. What do you think, Greg? Did, has time kind of hurt that that Flair Sting match? I don't think so. I, I think I had it in my top 10, the Flair Sting match. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because the fact that it doesn't have a decision is what hurts it, maybe. Yeah. Draws hurt. Draws ruin anything. <laughs> you know. Um, more headlocks. You don't want to know how long this match is. No. <laughs> Someone's got a bull shirt in the crowd. I see that. Well, they were they were getting there. They're starting see, to. This is the middle of the eighty eight eighty nine season. So, this, well, this th- that the... that was the post that was the postseason that Jordan hit the shot against Cleveland. Oh know, yes, that was that that was that postseason eighty nine. Um, and that was I think the first of two straight years that they got. That the Bulls got molly oh. by Detroit. Well, Detroit won the title that year, so they they, they swept the Lakers. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. Like, I, I have that match. I think I've and I bet you I've Sting matches high. Well, my highest Sting match is the uh, is War Games from '92 because that's like I have that number three on my list anyway. But because um, that match is that's the best War Games match ever. Um, let's see, what Sting matches do I have? Did I have higher? Uh. I actually had, and I'm curious if Chad thinks I'm wrong here. I actually had their match at the Bash 90 higher than that one. And maybe it's because Sting was just a better wrestler by that point. I mean, it had been two years. Maybe he just grew and became a better wrestler. I don't know. Um, I have, uh, and that's my highest Sting match up until uh, a War Games match. The War Games match at uh, Wrestle War. at uh, the Wrestle War 92. So, yeah. Sting working Butch Reed's arm here. Uh, 
those tights that Sting has on the the hot pink. Oh, they're oh. they're killer. Oh, they're killer. That the rat tail. That's oh, this yeah. is like prime early Sting. This is like this is Nate Milton Sting right here. Oh yes, total Nate Milton Sting. Oh, hold on a second, Love you, Godfather. If I, if I can get it up. We have this. It's the uh, Sting. Oh, there you uh, go. Hell, from uh, I, if this is Great American Bash '90 outfit. Too repetitive with the press slams, and showing. So here we go. So, let's see, for me, Sting. Flair from Clash One is more about Sting coming out and arriving than the actual mechanics of the match. Okay, I have never liked Sting versus Flair that much as a pairing. Oh, okay, just because too repetitive with the press slams and showing Sting's superior strength advantage. I had Sting versus Flair from the Clash in my fifties. Oh wow! All right, no. now I feel better. Thank you, Chad. I feel better now. <laughs> I feel better now, not having it that high. <laughs> um. That's a good point. That, that's, that, that is actually a good point. That Sting Clash match, that's actually a great point, Chad. Uh, and again, at this point, Sting was, as we're watching him here in February of 89, Sting was still kind of growing his repertoire, working his, his, uh, you know, his move sets. But that Clash 1 match, and I totally agree with you, uh, uh, Chad, was more about showcasing Sting's uh, arsenal than about the match itself and him and flair flair was just there to be the foil for all of sting's offense i i i totally i could see that totally see that great great call chad i totally see that but that's an awesome figure yeah greg awesome figure bash 90 yeah which, which i had at 17 great figure who used to make those wcw figures back then well this is a mattel was it Mattel? Okay. Yeah, this is this is the Finding Moments Mattel. Okay. But I think um, we're a year away from the gold figures. Yeah. But this this is a big, like I was talking about, eighty nine is a year. This is a big year for Sting. I mean, he really pulls the ripcord here. Yeah. Um. This is a big year for Butch Reed too. Later in the year. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, do, we're talking about Doom. They haven't even they haven't even been around no, yet. No, uh, Doom doesn't start till the following year. So, um, well, it, no, later in the year because they're at Starcade '89 in the tournament. Mm. You're right. You're right. It's not till '90 they put on the masks. Yeah, and then they. That's right. That's then they. Uh, then Teddy joins them, and then they become the iconic pairing we remember. Yes. Yep, and then they, and then, you know, then Ron Simmons turns face, and then eventually, of course, becomes world champion. Butch Reed, the reason Honky Tonk Man was intercontinental champion for because he was late four hundred and something days because he was late to a house show. You stupid son of a bitch! <laughs> think about how I have a buddy his, Johnny Reckless. Think uh, about how different history would be if Butch I know, right? Reed won the intercontinental title. Well, look how if you listen to. Uh, uh, some of our past episodes of Through the Looking Glass on the PTB Wrestling Network, myself and Dave Hall, 
Speaking of Sting, he plays a big role in our in our February episode coming up later this month. Oh. Um, uh, one of the uh, uh, mailbag episodes we did, what the mailbag ones we did in December was about uh, Ricky Steamboat had he not um, left, had he not had a baby and did stick around and didn't didn't have to drop the belt in June of 87, what would he, you know, what would his reign had been like? How far would it have gone? Who would he have feuded with? Who would he actually have eventually lost to? Uh, so that's, that's pretty, that was pretty great. So check out that episode. It's a great show. Dave Hall and I have a blast. It's uh, usually it drops every third Wednesday due to scheduling this month. It's going to drop on the 22nd. Um, of uh of this month so the fourth wednesday because there's five went there's yeah fourth wednesday it's a short month and uh the guy you're watching here with the pink tights plays a prevalent role in yeah. uh february's topic yeah for dave and i on through the looking glass so yeah. um what was some good tv in 89 uh greg i guess all the 80s sitcoms were starting to fade a little right yeah well, sure TJF Family Ties was done by then. Family Ties was done by May because Michael G. Fox was obviously going to be shooting the sequels to Back to the Future. But right, yeah. And, but um, TJF would be later. Would start later in '89. Okay, that would that would be uh the big block of our own members of uh Full House, Perfect Strangers, and uh, Family Matters. Yep, that was the that replaced Must See Thursday on NBC, which was Cosby Show and uh, Cheers and. Was it Night Court, I think? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So then America, they just fell in love with Urkel. Yeah. Have you seen those Reginald L. Johnson ads <laughs> for progressive? Yes, I have. Oh yeah, god, they're, they're, so, they're great. <laughs> they are really funny. I agree. I agree hundred percent. Another I, headlock. Oh, my God, this is a this is a show full of headlocks. A lot of headlocks early on. Oh. Well, the good thing is the back end of the show you'll barely see any, so that's a good. Thing. Good, we're getting Thank a lot of light now. Yeah. Oh, I swore that I swore the arm dropped the third time. I know, right? <laughs> Teddy, like, Oops. Teddy's. Uh, well, forget that. <laughs> I loved. Sting's hot pink. Oh. Great combo. Sting. Sting to me uh, is the closest classic wrestler that I could compare with John Cena. Yes. Uh, Heel Sting. I mean, they did it. They did it in 99. They did. uh, Kind of, you know. But. Prime Sting from like eighty nine to like ninety seven, he was John Cena. Yes, uh, love the kids. Could not turn heel. Would look weird being a heel. He was he was John Cena. Like every other babyface wrestler that you ever knew when you were a kid, you could always see that they maybe had a side of them that you didn't want to see, and that even included Hogan, which we would see eventually in nineteen ninety six. But he was a, a babyface. He was a heel. In UWF early in his career, but Sting, like even if you watch him in uh, Ultimate Warrior when they were the the master or not master blasters, the Blade, they were Runner. the Blade Runners. Um, 
he even acted weird as a heel, like it, like it was unnatural, yeah. you know. Um, but it's pretty. Uh, but to, just to me, every time I see Sting, to me, he's he's uh, John Cena, or John Cena Sting, I should say. All these fans, look at them. They're all like, oh, yeah, yeah. That guy have a Hulkamania shirt yeah. on. Yes, <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Greg, about like the aesthetics, like the, the blase, you know, the blase, uh, turnbuckles. Um, well, obviously they had NWA, uh, ap- ring aprons. So, but like all of these, like it was very, very, very bland, very bland, but uh, it's the charming. Yeah, Definitely. I especially love like later in the year when they have the core sponsorship, how they have the core's ring posts. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You'll never see WWF get sponsored by a beer company in nineteen eighty nine. No, it's bad enough we just no, it's bad enough we just had a uh it's bad enough we just had a, a, a match sponsored by soda. We'll see the next uh we'll see the next step. The, the Jack Daniels Hell in a Cell. <laughs> the Mountain Dew Pitch Black match. The Rest in Peace match from SummerSlam 93 of our time. Exactly. I uh, I haven't tried the Pitch Black. I'm afraid of drinking it, and then my A1C no. goes up to, like, 72, and then my doctor will, uh, will pummel me. So, um, Mel- Mellow Yellow is good enough for me. I love Mellow Yellow. Um, I think of Mellow Yellow, I think of Days of Thunder. Oh, Thunder. yes, Cold Trickle. Cole Trickle. He always goes to the outside. Um, you know, now that they have a Top Gun sequel, I think we're overdue for a Days of Thunder sequel. I, I agree. I think you could find a good young actor to play the driver, and, and Cole Trickle could go in the Michael Rooker role or the uh, – who was his mechanic? The Robert Duvall role. Robert Duvall, yes. The Robert Duvall role. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I agree 100%. No doubt about that. I liked Butch Reed. I really did. Yeah. Solid guy in Mid-South. You know, they when Junkyard Dog left in 84 to go to um when when Junkyard Dog left Mid-South to go to the to the WWF, they Bill Watts tried to build tried to build uh he did everybody. Uh, Butch Reed, yeah, everything to build Butch Reed as as is there a guy with a yeah, I don't think they would let that guy with the uh, ski mask on now. No, <laughs> that guy would not be allowed in the building now. <laughs> maybe I can't a, see. Uh, maybe sorry, you have a lucha mask. Maybe if you have a lucha mask, you can get away with it. But yeah. No. Um. But yeah, he Bill Watts tried so hard to get to get Butch Reed over as a baby face when Junkyard Dog left. It just wasn't the same. No. JYD had this connection of fans. Butch Reed had the swagger of a heel. Pretty simple. He had the swagger of a of a great heel. Oh, by the way, we haven't mentioned Dave in the crowd yet. Have we seen uh, the Dave the Dullet? Dave the is Dave wearing the, Dave is wearing the yellow jacket. If they, uh, we can get to the hard cam whenever it comes up. Ah, uh, Dave's sexy mullet. Oh, yeah, it was glorious in this period. It was glorious. His mullet was glorious. I'm curious. 
while we're talking about Dave, I'm going to go to uh, um, what Ooh. Dave's had, <clears throat> what Dave would eventually have. Yeah, I, I get, well, guarantee you he did not like the uh, – the, the Michael Hayes match. No, that was not five stars. You did not no. five star that one. Um, Dave actually uh, six five. I'm sorry, one seven five star matches in 1989 for Ooh. Dave. Uh, where's where am I missing it? Where is he? Oh, there he is. Yeah, because um, look at that. That yeah, is cause, luscious. Yeah, because he's with uh, Brad Muster's entourage. <laughs> Brad Muster. Yeah, that's right. They bring that up later, don't they? Yeah, because he was either the he was the first he had to have been the first round draft pick for the Bears in '88, right? Because they right. mentioned Jim, Jim mentions that. Yep. But whenever I think of Brad Buster, the first thing I'll usually think of is uh, his NFL Pro Set card from '89. Yes. Yep. And, and yep. speaking of which, I went to a card show today, and I saw they had like a pack of like '80s, '90s wax packs. And I found beautiful. this for two bucks. 89 NFL Pro Set Series. Oh, two. beautiful. That's classic. I had a ton of those. I was in high school. 89? Nin- yeah, I was a sophomore in high school. 90, though, with, with Super Bowl 25 cards. That yes. was the shit. Yeah. Yep. My brother was 23 and he was buying those cards <laughs> at that time. They had nice uh, photos on those cards. They did. They were, cla- they were classy cards, too. Yeah. Oh, ah. up, up, using the ropes. Okay. Now this match is over. Yeah. Oh, just... Butch Reed attacks. Now I'll give you the length. You want to know how long this match was? How long? Is... right now. All right. It was 2007. <laughs> wow. And it felt, it felt, what's funny is it felt longer or it felt shorter than the Michael Hayes match. <laughs> Oh, I stink it, Butch Reed. They're inventing UFC right in front of our eyes. <laughs> so Butch Reed and Sting. Sting wins the match. Butch Reed jumped him after. And Butch Reed bails. Dave gave seven matches five stars in 1989. Now, of course, four of those seven were two guys. We'll get to them. In a bit. My God. Look how young. Holy cow. Oh, look God. how young Paul Lee looks here. This is like going to like Back to the Future in 1955 and seeing how young everyone looks. I know. Oh, and I forget. This is for one night only check victories in the Midnight Express. I know, right? A man, a man, Jack Victory, a man everybody knows about because he's wrestled in every promotion, even by 1989. (laughs) I know Jack Victory. I saw him job in world class. (laughs) Uh, 89, Paulie, so good. He would only get better. He would only get better. And that's uh that's our next match. 
Yeah. The loser leaves NWA match. Midnight Express versus Midnight Express. Of course, the old school Midnight Express, Jack Victory and Randy Rose. Jack Victory as uh as Paulie mentioned, is wrestling for Dennis Condry. I don't know why he I don't <laughs> know why he's I don't know what the real reason was. And of course the current Midnight Express, which is Bobby Eaton and uh Sweet Stan. Um Oh, okay. Just as Conjury left the NWA, so Conjury was gone. So that 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 uh, Aspen, Colorado thing is the last time you pretty much hear of Dennis Conjury. Yeah, because I did. Didn't he like stay in Colorado and do like independence there? Yeah, and then he was pretty much gone. Yeah, I had a lot of respect for Dennis Conjury. I I liked Dennis Conjury. I thought him and Bobby Eaton in old school. Uh, NWA was just awesome. I, I loved, I loved it. Um, no disrespect to Stan Lane, but I just thought Dennis Condry was pretty cool. So, I love those jackets. Those jackets are awesome. Oh my god, awesome. I gotta say, I wish Mattel would put like a Midnight Express two pack together. Yes, I totally agree with those jackets. And I'm sure since Cornette's done like stuff for like WWE Network slash Peacock, like Dinner for Three and such, they could probably work out a deal with him. Probably. Yeah, I would think so. And they have a good year, the Midnight Express in 89, because they're in that big War Games match. Yes. Yep. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, this, this I is... I like a... how they're both using the same theme song. That was pretty great. Well, this is the dubbed version, because obviously yeah. they, they couldn't use the real version, because they didn't want right. to pay Giorgio Moroder money. No. Wh- whoever mm. composed that for Midnight Express. No, I think you're right. I think it is Giorgio Moroder. Good call. Okay. Yeah. What movie was that? Escape uh, from New York. Uh, the no, the uh, there was a movie called Midnight Express. Oh, the the Turkish prison movie. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, I wasn't yeah, sure if that's where they used it. Yeah, that was the um, that was uh, was that Oliver Stone movie? I think that was not even one of his first movies. Oliver uh, Midnight Express. No, I don't think oh. he directed that. Okay, yeah, I don't think he directed that. Let me see. Um, Midnight Express. Ooh. No, Alan Parker directed Midnight Express. Oh, Alan Parker. Okay. Alan Parker directed Midnight Express. Number one in Chicago, baby. You know what I liked about, and, and this goes back to the arena. You know what I liked about, like watching other promotions, pay-per-views and big shows because 
Vince had so many tight deals with like all of these other, uh, all these other companies, you know, all these other arenas, like obviously Vince didn't go here. He used to go in this area. He would go to, to the Rosemont horizon because he yeah. had, the, you know, the, the kind of the, 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 uh, the handshake deal with the guy. Yeah. The cap center with, uh, James Dudley and, you know, uh, NWA had to go to the Philadelphia civic center cause they couldn't go to the spectrum and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it was cool seeing other venues in cities because, um, you know, WWF wouldn't go here. Well, especially in the Beltway no. area, they would use uh, NWA, the Baltimore Arena. Right. And that, I think, is like their best venue ever. Yeah. I agree. They good crowds for like for the Crockett Cup and, and other stuff. Jack Victory looks like some creator wrestler at WWE twenty three. That's just randomly in here for some reason. <laughs> I should ask Chad if Chad's still on. How many how many promotions Jack Victory actually wrestled for? I'm sure uh, the cage match biography is probably ridiculous. So. <laughs> I thought it was cool when, uh, you know, that, you know, of course, this year's Royal Rumble was in Houston at the summit. And I thought that was kind of cool because, you know, they never did anything in Texas before. So that was kind of neat. I, when I was a kid, to me, Texas was was uh, Von Erich territory. I didn't even watch Paul Bosch in Houston. I didn't get any of that programming here in Connecticut. And I'm sure you're not too far away from me. So I'm sure you didn't get any of it either. No. Um, I mostly got world class from... Uh, from um espn espn yep and awa for that matter <laughs> um i taped so much awa when the espn classic was on because they would show it like all the time at night yeah i have them over here i have a stack of them over here in the again i like the corner of my room here looks like Meltzer's apartment <laughs> it's got like vhs tape oh. all over strewn all over the place oh you should see the rest of my room it makes dave look like uh <laughs> Felix from the Odd Couple. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Yeah. No, nah, it's uh. I got a ton of I got a ton of those AWA uh, ESPN tapes when they did them. I taped AWA. I taped those. I didn't tape any world classes. What else did they do? They did those Herb Abrams UWFs. Oh, those are dreadful. Davey the Observer Meltzer. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Victory was kind of like uh I feel like he was like Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody and those guys he he signed a bunch of 6-month deals. 6 months, I had him out of here. 6 months, I had him out of here. 6 months, I had him out of here. It's like Because then he would be, a few years after this, he would be a stalwart in uh, in ECW for at least three or four years. I mean, we could ask our trinity of uh, experts, uh, JR, Jenny, and 
And well, it was D'Amato. Now it's Souza over on the uh, extreme three way over on the no. So, but Jack victory, I felt like was an ECW for at least four years. Oh, and he was, he was like a stalwart in, in right after he left here in, uh, in NWA, but watching one of my chrono watches, Jack victory is like all over, uh, world-class, but like total jobber, you know, by the way, while we get a chance, I just want to mention Bobby Eaton. I think maybe one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And everybody could say he's at that level with like Billy Gunn, but I'm going to say this. Bobby Eaton did have a minor stretch, uh, singles run, very brief. Uh, in fact, Tim and Flair, I think, had a title match on a clash. I can't remember yeah. which one, but um, no, nah, he's just, he's just amazing. He's just amazing. And uh, uh, just arguably one of the greatest wrestlers that get just that don't get the credit they deserve. And, no. and rest in peace. He's not with us anymore. And that's, yeah. and that's very sad. The, the tail end of his, of his life was not, he was not healthy. Um, but yeah, no, Bobby Eaton is just like a, he's a glue guy. You know, he's just always there. Whatever situation you put him in, he would eventually, you know, he was in the midnight express. And eventually he would join the dangerous Alliance. And then he would be with, uh, uh, Regal, he was oh. old Robert Eaton. Oh, the Blue Bloods are like one. The Blue Bloods, so good. I mean, you could stick any of these guys. You could stick Bobby Eaton in anything, and he would just be gold. Just absolute gold. No my, fa- my favorite is like, there was like a vignette that him and Regal did where they go to OJ's house. And oh yeah, and Eaton finds like the knife in the bushes, and he just like, oh, and he just puts it back in the bushes. I know. It's so great. Um, it's been a good pace match. <clears throat> we have, you know, because we had real power matches in the beginning. Now we're kind of in a, we got a match with some, uh, with some good pacing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they. Paul Lee went to the Bobby Heenan school of wrestling managers. Get tagged in when you get the advantage. The minute you don't, run to the corner and tag an actual guy in. <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect. Bobby he- Bobby Heenan school of managing. Yeah. And this is they want Cornette and Paul Lee. This is what they all want to see. I know, not the wrestlers. No, no. we need, we need Paul Lee. And, we need the and managers Cornette. to beat the shit out of each other. I know. All right, now, this is going to be a wrestling classic on par of Gotch and Hacking Smith. Yes. Thanks for joining us tonight here on The Lounge. Uh, if you popping on in the middle, I am Scott Criscolo with Greg Diener uh, from the PTB Wrestling Network. And we are live watching Chi-Town Rumble 1989. Uh, as it is February, and so here on the PTV Wrestling Network, we are live watching shows from the month of February throughout wrestling history. Um, figured I wanted something different. You know, everybody was saying, 
Of course, the first thing somebody asked me was, well, Scott, you're going to do No Way Out 2001 because that's one of your favorite matches ever, Triple H and Steve Austin. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be predictable. <laughs> no. I don't want to be predictable. Trust me, you'll get your share of Triple H from me somewhere in, in future lounges. But, uh, nah, I wanted to do I wanted to do something different on, for the month of February. Um, I was tempted to do – I was going to do In Your House 6. That was on my mind for oh, February yeah. 96, of course, uh, which has the awesome Owen-Sean match. Uh, before WrestleMania 12, but and a pretty decent Brett Diesel oh, cage match. It's not a bad cage match. No, it's not at all. This is awesome. Crowd is fucking jacked for uh, Paulie and fucking Cornette. Even though Cornette's got this weird unitard thing on, it's like ridiculous. No. So Tommy Young refereeing? I think it is. Yeah, Tommy Young's refing. Referee of the year, Tommy Young. Oh, Tommy Young is like, he's like an amazing referee. Oh, yeah, he is. Totally. I would say he's he's better than Earl ever was at his height as a, as a ref. In really? WWE. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if Jack Victory takes the kind of the the having Jack Victory in this match kind of takes the starch out of it a little because he's just a body, you know? Yeah. If it was Dennis, then maybe this match would have like some like little... it would have definitely had more heat. Yeah, there would definitely been more more juice if. Uh... Having said that, the crowd's hot because it's all about. I mean, honestly, it's all about Paulie and and Corny. That's pretty much all it is. They're just the other guys are just the. You know. So basically, it's whoever does the job leaves. Right. It's not necessarily the team leaves. It's just whoever does the job leaves. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird step. Well, that gives Jack Victory a chance to lose and leave. Not that Randy Rose is going to stick around anyway, but no, you know. When we get to the main event, I know I had brought up about the Mel- Dave's matches. We'll br- I'll bring it up when we get to the main event because obviously okay. it kind of they go yeah. hand in hand. So. Yeah. So, and Dave yeah, we'll is, that and we'll see Dave go nuts during this match. Oh, uh, I know. When, when we get to it, when we get to it. Let's put it this way. By this point, it, let's, I'll, I'll say it this way. By this point in 1989, Dave already had one five-star match. Oh. It was in All Japan, Big Shock. It was from New New Year Giant Series, Night 17. It was a six-man tag. Wait. Kineru, Wait, this was New Year Giant Series, and it was Night 17. Night 17, yeah. Night 17. That's 17. That's very, very All Japan right there. It was uh, Taneru. Toshiaki Kawada and Samson Fuyuki versus Jumbo Saruta, Yoshiaki Yatsu, and Masanobu Fuchi. That was the first of what would be seven five-star matches from Dave in 1989. That was the first. And that was on January 28th. So about a month, about a month before this one. Before this show. So. They've been not now. This feud had been going on 
this is a spillover. This feud's been yeah. going on since since '88. This is a good, yeah, maybe a year, maybe slightly le- less than a year, well, maybe six well, or they, seven month feud. Well, the original Midnight Express and Heyman debuted in November because I think they literally debuted on like the first World Championship Wrestling episode after Turner bought it. Oh, okay. And that's when, um, he... yeah, that's when um, Cornette like gets bloodied open, and he has the bloody suit, which he still has right. to this day, and he's never washed it. Yeah, that would be something on like in that future most wanted treasures, the bloody yeah. Cornette suit, the bloody Cornette suit. I agree. I almost switched up tonight, because, but I've been promoting Chi Town for a while. I almost switched up tonight because if you saw on my uh, on the wrestling time travel tweet today, it was the um, anniversary of the main event Hogan Andre two. Oh. So I almost was going to do that tonight, but I've been was, promoting Chi Town for for I was con- weeks. I was, so I was considering doing that as a live show for my show, but I decided. Nah. Oh, great! Do it. Well, do it. Well, the thing is, I was going to do. We were originally on it was a thing on TV going to do Royal Rumble '88, but um, some circumstances forced us to change some plans. So, ah, gotcha. Because considering that goes hand in hand with the Rumble with the contract signing, right? Correct. You could check out. By the way, it was a thing on TV. Great, a uh, great yeah. pod over on the PTB Pop Experience, uh, successfully led by our good friend Andy Atherton and uh, Miranda Berthel. Here we go. Bobby Eaton, top rope. Ooh. Oh. Yes. Missile drop kick. Sick. There was a, uh, I think it was a gif I saw on, on Twitter of Bobby Eaton, Alabama jams off the top rope. He hit some, he hit some bangers in his career. Oh, yes. Bobby Eaton. Woof. He hit some bangers, right? Alabama jam. Is that what he called the top rope leg yeah. drop? Yeah. I think that's what it was called, the Alabama jam. It's amazing how over Cornette was. With all the years that he was a heel, it is oh. amazing how over Corny was as a babyface right now. It's crazy. It, it tells you how great that ankle was. Yeah, it really was. Like, oh. I actually agree. It's like, oh, my God. This, he's like, he's like he, Jim Cornette, he may be an a-hole, but he's our a-hole. Right. It's like the only way to make it a, a big a-hole a face is to have an even bigger a hole in Paul. Lee. Right, and eventually they return heel. I don't remember when, but at some point in eighty nine, I think it, they turn heel. Again. It's a ninety. It's at a clash because I think it's when uh the dynamic dudes. I think. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, and to be honest, <laughs> the Midnight Express might as well have been default baby faces. I know. Wow. I thought that was a finish. I forgot. Oh. No, this. I may uh, also keep an eye uh, uh, if you follow us on Twitter. If you don't, please do at PTBN Wrestling. I may put some polls up uh, in the coming 
months about, you know, what shows you'd like us to live watch. Um, you know, if I, maybe for April, um, maybe I'll put up some polls for, you know, backlashes or other sort of stuff. Well, well, Scott, we're assuming that there will even be a Twitter in April. The way yeah. things are going right now. I know. If there isn't, we'll just do uncensored 95 because then we know that we know that we'll get Jennifer Smith. So, um. <laughs> oh, and Randy Rose did the job. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, because maybe they'll keep maybe they can keep Jack Victory around to do other jobs. <laughs> you need that enhancement talent for worldwide. <laughs> Jack Victory is enhancement talent. Oh, that's great. So that match was, uh, let's see, that match was uh, 1551. So, great match. A lot of fun. Yeah. Great match. I'd give that three and a half. Let's see. And now we've got, oh, look at this. NBC streaming on. Oh, there we go. Okay. Good thing about Streamlines, they blow off the commercials. That's pretty great. Yeah. Well, I premium, so. Yeah. I don't actually, but oh, I do. Oh. No, I do. I do. Um, I love that Hiro Matsuda. He's standing there. He is. Uh, like, what am I doing here? I know. While I'm managing this guy? Wow. Oh, that was great. A plus promo. Yeah. Like like you're not gonna get an A plus promo, really? No. All right. So we have our first title match of the evening. Oh the good. world's television title on the line. The champion is uh Rick Steiner. It's the varsity club explodes. <laughs> Exactly, yes. The Mega Powers or the Varsity Club? Is that Scott at ringside? Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I didn't expect he debuted already. Okay. Yeah, because obviously they'd have to start the team at some point in 89. Right. Another great mullet. A lot of good mullets on this show. Yeah. I loved uh, Rick's uh, Mike Rotundo's orange Syracuse boots. Those were awesome. Oh yes, I always loved those. But I always loved the. I always loved looking back on these eighty eight, eighty nine shows, seeing the Varsity Club, 
and seeing like all of them and like they're like obviously you got Rick Steiner's Michigan outfit, Mike Rotunda's in his Syracuse outfit, Doctor Death's in his Oklahoma outfit, and then you just have Kevin Sullivan there for some reason. I know. To be I guess the weird, creepy college guy. I guess he's like supposed to be like he's corrupting these college athletes. I know. He's probably giving them like sponsor. He's probably like giving them like illegal deals under the table. I know. Like, in, like some SMU like football deal. I know. Trans, Eric Dickerson Trans Ams. Craig James getting like twenty grand under the table. I know. Of all people, Craig James. Oh God! Don't get me started on Craig James. Oh God. Just remember, he killed five hookers. Mike Leach told me. God bless you, Mike Leach. Rest in peace. So crazy. Pony Excess. That's a great uh, 30 for 30. Did I just see senior wenches in the cloud? Yes. So great. The United States title will be on the line tonight. Of course, the World Tag Team titles will be on the line. And then, of course, the uh, World's Heavyweight Championship, as our champion just uh, alluded to. Yes. Mike Rotundo hung around here for a couple more years. And then, of course, he would come back to the WWF in 1991 as his greatest incarnation I-R-S. Oh, he would be there till... 95. 95. And IRS. Then he would go to... Yep. Yeah, then he would I, go to WCW and become VK Wall Street. VK Wall pretty, Street. VK Wall Street. Just so Eric can be a giant dick. <laughs> he really can. How many wrestlers in WCW in that time took, took some name from Vince? You, you had... Know, uh, you know, yeah, I yeah, thought Virgil, who was Vincent. <laughs> yeah, Vincent. I have a question. I thought, yeah. as a kid, I thought VK Wall Street was like a reference to VI Warshawski for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. VI Warshawski. Wow. Look at this nut job. This is even before the Fab. Well, this it's funny, Michigan, because... This is the uh, Steve Fisher year. Yes, it was. Bill Frieder was head coach at this moment. But then right before the tournament, Bill Frieder quit because he took the Arizona State job. So Bill Fisher, Steve Fisher came in. Glenn Rice didn't miss for three weeks. Ramil Robinson hits two free throws, and Michigan wins a national championship. One of the greatest title games of all time, Michigan and Seton Hall. A great basketball game. Yeah, over Seton Hall. And that's the... Uh... I think that's the – didn't uh, Frances on Imus predict that they would go the Final Four? Yeah. And that that was basically – if it's because of that we had Mike and the Mad Dog. Da, 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 da. Yeah. But, yeah, that, but that Michigan Seton Hall final, that capped off like a great decade for NCAA tournament. I agree. Games. I agree 100%. Those were four good teams. I mean, Duke made it, obviously. That was uh, – that was um, – That was Leitner's freshman year. Freshman year. Um, and then you had uh, Illinois, who was loaded. 
Speaking of UIC Chicago, I mean, it was not there, but you had uh, look at those old, look at those hotties right there with their Wrestle War '89 T-shirts. They paid Wrestle War bucks. Be, of course, Wrestle War would be uh, will be later this that spring in May in uh, I think it was in Nashville. Nashville. Yep. Um, yeah, you had Illinois who had Kendall Gill, Marcus Liberty, uh, Nick Anderson, a great Illinois team. And then you had Duke and you had Seton Hall, who was a great team that year as well. So good tournament. The last ter- full tournament of the 1980s. Yeah. And that, that ended like a great run of, as I mentioned, 80s finals. Yes. Went back to probably 82 when CBS first got the tournament with, uh, UNC yep. in Georgetown. And in then Georgetown. And then the next year in 90, you had that UNLV Duke game where UNLV just blew the crap out of Duke. In the yeah, final. ran him out of the gym. Uh, uh, they had to halt the game because Bobby Hurley had the craps and he couldn't <laughs> couldn't start the game because he had diarrhea or whatever. Oh, my God. And and then Brent Musburger got fired in the middle of the tour, final four. I know. They, well, they wanted to make Jim Nance the face. And now Jim, and now it's the end of an era because Jim Nance, well, Jim Nance is still doing the NFL golf. Yeah, he's going to do NFL and he'll do golf. This is his last tournament, which makes sense with Billy Packer passing away. Uh, Nance retiring. It's time to like turn the page and have start a new era of uh, CBS and the, or whatever, Turner, CBS and the uh, and the NCAA tournament. Yeah, because I think Ian Eagle's doing it starting next year as the main guy. Yeah, good. Ian Eagle deserves it. He's an amazing, yeah. amazing announcer. A lot of uh, a lot of psychological work here in this match. Yeah, obviously trying to work the whole oh. you know collegiate catch as catch can thing. Oh, little uh, abdominal stretch with some help. Yeah, I think uh, I want to say uh, Scott started coming around at the end of '88. Because wasn't he like a jobber at first? They both were. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But it's like, oh, Rick and Scott, they would just. They just beat the cr- – whenever you would watch a jobber match with them, it's like the poor jobbers, they would get the absolute snot beat out of them. Oh, absolutely. Well, they were like the – I mean, they took their they took their book from the Road Warriors in 83, 84 in Georgia and in AWA. Those poor bastards were beaten in the dirt. Yeah, the, the, the uh, Road Warriors did not hold back, just like the Steiners when they were facing, you know, Ham and Eger per diem guys because those guys used to just get their teeth eaten. Oh, God. I always appreciated Rotunda. Yeah, like, I think everybody did. I agree. I mean, whether it's like the U.S. Express, whether it's here, and especially, I, I mean, I, I absolutely love IRS. And I don't know. Like, I some people get annoyed with the IRS character, but it's like, no, I always loved it. Yeah. I always nah, loved how IRS he would... I always loved when he'd cut promos, calling everybody tech sheets. Yes. Nah, 
I loved uh, – nah, that was a great gimmick. I, Mike Rotundo totally, like, sold that, lived it, you know, a, 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 you know, uh, embraced it, and then he ended up winning a tech t- – he ended up winning the tag team titles a couple times out of it. Yeah. So. Two. Oh. Crowds were pretty hot for this. Crowds definitely starting to build as the show has progressed. Oh, yeah, they know the good stuff's coming up. Hmm. Dave is actually two seats away from those Wrestle War '89 honeys right there. So, oh, maybe maybe they're part of Brad's entourage. <laughs> <laughs> the next pay per view after this uh, for NWA would be uh, it would actually be Wrestle War. There wouldn't be another pay per view until May. Um, the Music City Showdown. So obviously. WCW didn't start doing both WCW and WWE didn't start doing um, weekly shows until a uh, monthly shows until 1995. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, or maybe it was 90. Oh no, I guess W. I guess WCW started doing it in 93. Yeah. 93, I think, they started doing monthlies. Oh, nice chops. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh... By the way, Jim, working that uh, Mike Rotundo was in a defensive tackle at Syracuse. He's got to get that college football reference in. Exactly. Like Every time Ron Simmons would wrestle, he always had to match. He was like ninth in Heisman voting. Yeah. No, it was 19. I'm sorry. It was 1995 for both. 93, uh, starting at, well, actually pretty much 92, uh, WCW was definitely doing more pay-per-views. 92, they had they had uh, one, two, three, seven shows in 92. Seven. Uh, eight shows in 93, if you count the two Japan Super Shows. 94, they had eight shows. And then by 95, they were pretty much going. Yeah, they pretty much went monthly by, by 95. So, so I was right. So both WW, WCW and WWE... WWF uh, went monthly by 1995. <clears throat> but WCW was doing more pay-per-views anyway. WWF at this time was still doing, they did, well, at this point, 89, they were only doing their four big shows. And of course, in 93, they'd add King of the Ring, but they would still only do five shows a year until 95 anyway. And I was happy when they added King of the Ring 93, because that April through August stretch was a drag. It was a drag. There was only so many – there's only so long you could do feuds. I think 1991 was the biggest uh, 
example of that because you had, I mean, that Hogan slaughter feud totally crapped out by like, it, oh, it, yeah. it was almost pretty much dead by WrestleMania seven, but definitely, I mean, by SummerSlam, nobody gave a shit anymore. They should, um, the broth of the feud should have been if they had a June paper of 91, that desert storm match. Yeah. I mean, I would say, I agree with you, Greg. I mean, that, that, that June 91 MSG house show, which is on here and you know, maybe we'll watch it sometime. Um, had some great stuff on. I think that was one of the first Kurt uh, Kurt Brett matches too. I think was on that show. Yeah, because we did the uh, following month on the Place to Be Nation podcast the uh, the July paper the July MSGS right. yep. show. Yep, yep. Because uh, I think it was the Hearts against the Nasty Boys following month. Yes. Oh no! What what is Kevin Sullivan doing? He's, oh, he's talking about his dog. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> right on cue when Jr. mentioned it. Yeah. Is he gonna dog nap the dog like Poppy? <laughs> dog nap Matilda? Yes. Did Kevin? I just get... watched that. Did Kevin or even get... uh, Perry Saturn and Moppy? Did Kevin get dog napping tips from Bobby Heenan? From Bobby Heenan? Rick, just get back in the ring. Well, it's not going to matter. If he gets counted out, it's not going to matter. He doesn't lose the belt. No. So I just leave to go after Kevin. In the general scheme, this has actually been a pretty good match. Oh, no. This is probably like we have. I mean, Sting Butch Reed was was fine. This is like the first really good match. Yeah. Yeah. I think the tag match, the six man was fun. I think a lot of it was predicated on the, the energy of Corny and uh, and Paulie. But this is like the first real, first real match. Yeah, that that we're both guys. It's just this is very high level. It's funny how people forget that, you know, at the end of their careers, it was Scott Steiner that was the big singles wrestler. But early on, Rick Steiner was the more experienced guy, and Scott came in later. And they, of course, would actually form arguably one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Wow, that was a nice move. Yeah. Uh-oh. Shoulders are down, Teddy. Count. Oh, Magnum just said it, too. Good call, Magnum. Oh, no. That is a... I just forgot what a butt-ugly way to end that match. Oh. And the guy in the mask doesn't like you. He's like, boo. Boo. Dave does not like that ending. Quarter star. Hack it. Crappy match. 
didn't happen at the Tokyo Dome. One and a half stars. <laughs> Japanese wrestler wouldn't be that stupid to fall for that move. I love that they played the Syracuse fight song. I know. Uh, love these guys. Favorite tag team of all time. And those are, uh, as you know, Greg, I am a... Oh, let's listen to the promo. I am the biggest Road Warrior fan of the planet. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, that match is not next. Of course, it's this match, which is another one of my favorites, and I love this feud. We have the United States heavyweight title on the line. Your champion is Barry Windham, and the challenger is Lex Luger. Flexi Lexi. Yeah. So we've already had one title change tonight. And that was uh, Mike Rotunda, the new yeah. world television champion. Also, as as a lot of you know, and I'm sure you know too, Greg, that I am a gigantic belt junkie. I have a ton of them in the other room. Um, I love the that pair of NWA world tag team title belts that the Road Warriors had, particularly with the blue leather. Oh, the blue Those leather. belts are Make- awesome. Oh, it's... I always love belts that have different color leather that's not black. Yes, I agree. I think it's, I agree 100%. And, and That's Warrior, why I had no problem. I had no problem with the crazy Ultimate Warrior title colors uh, in the in the uh, 90s. Or Shawn Michaels, too. Oh, the white icy belt he had in 93 was iconic. I have that right over there. And, I have it in the other room. And I'm um, glad that Cody brought it back when he was Intercontinental Champion. Yes. White strap. Yes. And hopefully uh, now that he's he's teasing about maybe the winged eagle. Maybe we'll see it later this year, hopefully. Uh, I think so. I think so. He may, He's mentioning it a lot. Oh, is um, is that Eddie Einhorn? That is Eddie Einhorn. Didn't he go to jail? No, I'm thinking of somebody else. You're thinking of somebody. <laughs> I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of the guy but, for the Blue Jays. But Eddie Einhorn was like a big wrestling fan. Oh, yeah, big time. Him and Steinbrenner were like huge wrestling fans. Yes, they were. Two years later, of course, at WrestleMania set. Well, he was supposed to be on. I don't think he actually ever made it on. But well, no, um, well, no I think he is on the he's on the uh, pay per view version. It's on Peacock. Yeah, he's he has the instant replay segment with Paul McGuire. With Paul McGuire, yeah, that's right. Yep. Which originally is supposed to be Costas, but he backed out because of the Gulf War angle. Yes, Bob Costas. <laughs> you know what? That was better. 
Good riddance. Even though, even though Paul McGuire's not much better. You could, no. I'm trying to think. You couldn't have gotten Merlin Olsen for that. <laughs> Merlin Olsen. Terry Bradshaw? Yeah. But, yeah, those, those NWA, those blue. Sean, two of my favorite... Uh, um, two of my favorite uh, intercontinental title belts that that I in terms of leather. Sean in like, I think in ninety three. Well, it must be ninety three. Had this like sea foam belt. It was like sea foam blue. It was very different, but it was an awesome colored leather. And I, I wish if you find it, it's pretty great. And then Goldust's gold leather belt in 1996 is awesome. Awesome. The leather was gold and it kind of blended with the plates. It was beautiful. But as you, again, I'm a belt junkie. So Barry Windham, of course, was U S champion, uh, in most of 88 when he was with the horsemen. Um, of course, Arn and Tully aren't here. They're also in the WWF at this point as the brand yeah, busters. The latter days, of the, it was just like two horsemen. But they were still called the horsemen. I know. They re I mean, they obviously redo them in 90 with Sting because by that point, uh, uh, by that point, uh, you know, uh, Arn, Arn, well, Arn had come back anyway. Tully, Tully couldn't stop, uh, you know, couldn't stop bumping Michael Hayes' coke. And he ended up failing two drug tests, so. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's, then Sid's like a horseman for some reason. I know. Yep. Yep. And then, and then, uh, uh, they kick Flair, they kick Sting out and Sting eventually, uh, Sting eventually, um, uh, um, blows his knee out and yeah. doesn't come back until later in the summer because I think he was supposed to win the title earlier in the year and he ended up winning it at the at the bash, but Okay, another show and tell I showed the Sting figure earlier. I got this uh, uh -huh. last month. It's the uh WCW just toys bend of a Lex Luger. <laughs> what, what is the color of those tights? <laughs> I never saw Lex wear green tights. I'm like <laughs> they're like olive. <laughs> They're like olive tights. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. So Barry Windham. I'm going to cheat here. So Barry Windham. Uh, let me go to the list of. Let's see. So Barry Windham. So let's go. So Barry Windham won the U.S. title. Uh, let's see. Oh God, this is when he really destroys his hand. It's, oh. a it's like a gnarled mess. You know what I like about Barry here? He's wearing one glove. I know. Yeah, he's his hand is a fucking mess. His hand turns into a mess right here. Yeah, he's just got the black glove. I know. He's got the, it's like the, uh, it's like Khan, Wrath of Khan, only wearing one glove. Yes. 
so Barry Windham won a tournament in May of 88. All right. After Dusty was stripped of the title for attacking Jim Crockett. Oh, so was it, Barry was Windham this has the, been holding. Was this the Midnight uh, Rider? No, that's the, that's later. No, because uh, uh, no, he did the Midnight Rider in earlier in the decade in Florida. I don't know oh. if he did it here. Of course, as I mentioned, these guys were, and Jr. just mentioned they were tag team champions in '88, and then Barry turned on Lex after you know because earlier in the year Lex left the Horseman because yeah. he wanted his title shot. And Barry Windham joined the Horsemen, and that—that's probably the great next to, next to the uh, original iteration of the Horsemen from '86 with uh, with Ole. Um, Barry Arn Tully and Rick is probably the best wrestled for Horsemen, meaning they were the best. Uh, uh, in terms of in ring, that was the best iteration of the Horsemen. Yeah. Even though they're only together basically for four months. Yeah, pretty much. Which is crazy. Yeah, greased up luxes. Jeez. I know. He had some of uh, Lunch Lady Taurus's grease before he came out to the ring. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Barry stayed a uh, a um, heel even after the horseman ended. Incidentally, that uh, that TV title match was uh, let's see how long it was. That match was sixteen twenty one. It felt it. Yeah, um, as far as I know, Barry Windham, like, legitimately broke his hand. Oh. I thought he did anyway. Yeah, I th- I'm, I'm just checking some notes here. I thought I thought that that it probably didn't because he's still using it, but I thought I had read somewhere that that Barry had legitimately broke his hand on that punch, but I don't think he did. Oh, is he super lax him? Is he gonna do it? Oh, I'm oh. afraid this is gonna look ugly. Oh, oh, sharp, yeah. And by the way, I spotted, yeah. 
I spotted a guy in a Houston Astros sweater just now. Oh, jeez. Even Dave's clapping. Dave is going nuts. Dave is loving this. Dave is pumped. Look yeah. at him. Dave, want, Dave wants to give this five stars. Come on. Give a Lex Luger match five stars, Dave. Your conscience will feel better. <laughs> Somebody's got to give Flexi Lexi some love. Come on. I gave him a lot of love in the... Wait, did... Oh, did he... That was awful. Really? That was terrible. Two straight, two consecutive title that... matches. We get a crap double pin ending. Well, I think this is also to set up later tonight. I think it's done on purpose. But... Ooh... And Dave's wow. clapping. Dave's clapping. He's like, yeah, he's clapping. Yes, Barry Windham. Yeah, Barry. Yeah, Barry Windham. Look at Dave. He's loving it. That's awesome. Dave is cheering for Barry Windham beating the shit out of Luger post-match. Oh, this is awesome. This needs to be asked on Observer Live or Observer Radio. Dave's memories of Chi-Town Rumble. Of Chi-Town Rumble. Dave, remember when you were che- when you were clapping? And he was getting the crap eat out of him. Oh, we got a little microtunda action. I'm glad they still have the classic title design of the TV belt. With the uh, network logos and everything. Yeah. And he did. Held the belt for quite a while. This is another fun show, uh, Greg, that I that I enjoy throwing on all the time, too. It's it's a fun watch. That's why I picked it. Uh, it's an honor. It, uh, I'm, it's a blast that you've uh, joined me so, uh, tonight. We're having a good time here. Um, thanks for those in the chat. And uh, while we're doing this, I will announce uh, my next, at the moment, there may, there may be one in between, but my next jaunt here on the Stream Lounge uh, will be on Sunday night, March 26th, which will be the Sunday before WrestleMania weekend uh, for WrestleMania month. Uh, and <laughs> Sean Kidd's not going to like this. We'll be doing WrestleMania 3. Uh, we gotta, it's my show. I gotta do it. Um, so join us for that. That'll be at eight o'clock. We'll start that an hour earlier than we normally do. I normally start my streams at nine, but that night we'll start at eight o'clock. So it'll be the go home Sunday before WrestleMania this year. We'll be doing WrestleMania three here on the stream. I'll be hosting that. So, um, we'll see who I can get for a co-host. I try to rotate him. Greg, I'm going to give you this, the, Greg gets the uh, the the Sid treatment. I'm giving oh. you the night off. <laughs> Does this mean I have to power bomb you four times? <laughs> <laughs> I could use a vacation. Um, next up, our penultimate match: the World Tag Team Titles on the line. We have the Road Warriors, our champions, because they're awesome, against the Varsity Club: Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and Kevin Sullivan. 
They turned uh they turned the Road Warriors face pretty quick after Dusty got fired. They they turned them face again. Um They realized, oh, that's a bad idea. What were your thoughts on uh, Dr. Death, uh, Greg? Well, my memories as a as a kid was mostly like him in that WCW Nintendo game. Do you remember the Nintendo mm-hmm. game? Yeah. Right. And then of course the um the the Brawl for All, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Cuz all this stuff like when I was mainly mostly watching wrestling was in Japan, so because he was like one of the big old Japan guys at this time, or in the nineties at least, right? But like, he was like an incredible athlete. I mean, he was. He was oh, on yeah. the wrestling team. He was on the football team at Oklahoma. Yep. And obviously, you know, JR is going to put him over since both of them are Sooners. Oh, that's his boy. So, yeah. Um, I also, uh, Dr. Death was crazy over in Mid-South. That's kind of where he started. And he was a heel. Um, And then he went to uh, Crockett. And I'm watching him now. One of my chrono watches. I'm in the summer of 87. So I'm about a year and a half before where we are right now. And uh, um, he's a face. Kevin Sullivan was an odd-shaped guy. Yeah. Like, big dude, you know, decent shape, but... Wow, there are a ton of good mullets on this show. Got Dr. Death and, uh... Got Dr. Death and, uh... (laughs) Kevin Sullivan. Ooh. Ooh. That uh, Luger Wyndham match was ten forty three, so perfect perfect length for that one. Oh, good. This one's a perfect length too. I'll tell you when it's done. All right, good. Hopefully, we won't have a screwy yeah. finish here. Yeah, I know. So we've had back to back title changes with weird double pin, not double pin. So Mike Rotunda is the new TV champion. Lex Luger. Once again, United States champion. He, of course, won his first U.S. title in July of 87. He beat uh, he beat Nikita Koloff in a, in a steel cage. He would hold the belt till Starcade that year when uh, when Dusty beat him. And then eventually, as I just mentioned, Dusty would, would vacate the title uh, due to attacking Jim Crockett. And then Barry Windham would win a tournament, and he would hold it till tonight when Lex Luger beat him. I love the U.S. title. One of my favorite championships.
Come on, Dave. Are you even looking at this match? Come on, Dave. What a combo. Dave's got this weird banana yellow jacket on, and then the guy next to him's got this strange teal zip-up or something. And then and then you got those hot chicks with the uh <laughs> you got those uh those golden oldies there with the uh, Wrestle War uh t-shirts. Some good action there in the front row. <laughs> Four different weights. That's crazy. That's crazy. Two. No. By the way, I I need to mention that the safari outfit that Paul Elring has. Yes. It kind of goes back to, like, he, he kind of stole that idea from, like, uh, Paul Jones. Paul Jones used to have these crazy outfits for most of the middle to the late 80s. He would, when he was managing, like, Kamala or whatever, one of those one of those guys, he used to have, like, the safari outfit. Then he had the, the fucking Vegas blackjack thing with the ruffled tux and the hat yeah. and everything. He looks like Paul Elring. He's like, oh, no. Oh, jeez. Wow. That was almost a blown spot. Oh, jeez. Okay. Dr. Death almost slipped. Probably not a guy you'd want to have on. No. But I was going to say, Paul Elring, he looks like the tour guide on Jungle Cruise or something. Yeah, at some point, I, I assume in the in these previous six months, Road Warriors turned face somewhere, because um, obviously they were heels and they were feuding with Dusty. And it had to have been after Sturkey, because obviously they faced uh, Dusty and Stig. So yeah, so it's probably right after the first of the year. I mean, they had a little time. Is that Brad? That's not Brad Mustard next to Meltzer, is it? I, I don't. They'll I show can't see him Brad Mustard wearing a. I can't no. see Brad Mustard wearing such an ugly uh, jacket. So no, they, they'll show him later on in the uh, Flair Steamboat match. I, I don't think he's wearing that jacket. All right. Here we go. Oh. I don't think Animal even saw his two wings come in the ring. Not again! Oh yeah, because Sullivan, yeah, Sullivan's the legal man. Yeah. Oh my God! Really? Three? <laughs> we had three straight matches with wacko fin with with these weird double pin finishes. 
Well, like I said, your I match think... time, by the way, yeah, was a nice that... tidy seven uh, eight twenty seven. Okay, so, nice and tidy. But really, we get three straight matches of what the fuck, Luger? Why do you look like you're in Egypt? What is that thing? <laughs> he looks like Little Mac at the end of Mike Tyson's. I know, yeah. <laughs> when you lose the third match, yeah. Another belt I love. Yeah. Another Although the US, be- U.S. belt later is, I think, the later belt for WCW is much, is, I like that belt so much. Yeah. I have that one in the other room, too. Okay. I like that belt, too. I do. I want, have JR and Magnum been standing there the entire show? Like, what the heck know, is right? their, What's their get-up for this? I'm guessing they, they had to be watching. sitting somewhere. Yeah, maybe because there's monitors behind them, so the, and there's looks like there's a table, so maybe it's just for these stand-ups. So here we are. We have reached uh, we have reached our main event. Now we're getting a little we're getting a a video recap of how this all came together. So, in case you don't know, uh Ricky Steamboat left the WWF sometime in mid to late 88. Uh if you know the backstory, of course, he defeated uh he defeated Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3 in one of in my favorite WWF match of all time. Can you tell how much I love Ricky Steamboat? Because I have Ricky Steamboat matches as number one on my WWF list and number one on my WCW list. Tells you how much I love Ricky Steamboat. Anyway, then, of course, the whole controversy with his wife and the, the kid, you know, his son, and I need to take time off, and that's how Honky won the, the IC belt. And Vince never looked at Steamboat the same way after that. He wrestles into 88. Savage beats him back in the tournament at WrestleMania 4, and then... Pretty much within the next, I don't know, two or three months, Steamboat's gone. And then uh, on an episode of one of the Weekend Cindy's, um, Eddie Gilbert grabs Steamboat as his mystery partner in a match, bet- uh, a tag team match, him and Eddie Gilbert against Ric Flair and, uh, and Barry Windham. And uh, and that began this, this feud. Now, again, of course, these guys... And this is why they're so freaking great together. These guys started feuding in the 70s for the Mid-Atlantic title, the Mid-Atlantic TV title, the U.S. title. So Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat have been have been wrestling each other pretty much since 1977. And then Steamboat and Flair would have some nice, <clears throat> some good matches in, say, 84 uh, I have a couple of, I think I, I honestly, no joke, Greg, I think I have eight Steamboat Flair matches in my oh. uh, top 100. That's how much I love it. And they had a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, they had a couple of matches in 84 that were very good. Um, And then, of course, Steamboat left and went to the, went to the WWF. Um, 
and then you know you're gonna bring Steamboat back. Shit. After after the 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 feud with Flit with Luger, the you know the match that him and Flair had at the Bash, and then they had it at Starcade '88. Flair needed somebody fresh and somebody that all right. He had enough of the big dudes, and and Steamboat comes in and and this this is just this is just yeah. magic. This oh. is just magic. Uh, yeah. Look, oh look, we got a sh- we got a show going on right here. Yeah. Woo. Flair's underwear. His underwear is worth more than your house, as he would probably say. I love that his uh, entourage of ladies were just casually watching this. Yes. This is Clash 5, by the way. Clash of the Champions 5. This is all this stuff going on. Why was he hooking the leg? There's no I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on here. That was like Savage trying to pin Yoko with the 93 Rumble. Uh, Hero's used to probably doing this at that. Yeah, he's used to wrecking guys. Just as the holster brother. Here we go. <sighs> Nothing like it, man. Nothing like no. it. No. It's amazing for someone who's was mostly aside from the 18 months when he was in WWF mm-hmm. how mostly like from like the 70s to 01 was mid-Atlantic NWA WCW it's amazing how iconic Ric Flair is in pop culture yeah uh it's funny you say that too because I used to say that in the 80s Rick uh, Hulk Hogan was the better entertainer and Ric Flair was the better wrestler, but take nothing away from the aura of this man in his prime, you know, say what you want. You know, it's not WWF in terms of maybe the production value. WWF was at the top of its game in 1989, but damn it. Give me a main event in a building like this. And you've got a champion that's just so damn good at everything he does. And then you got a challenger like Ricky Steamboat, who is literally perfect in every way. And put them in the ring, and you will get magic. And I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Greg, that Banana banana Shirt Meltzer is sitting there in that seat going, this fucking match is going to be five stars. I'm calling yeah. it now. I'm calling it now. This match can be five stars. I'm calling it now. Well, Dave has how the jacket. Not, how is it not? Yeah. You know? Steamboat's pissed that the end that his WWF career or his WWF tenure ended like shit. Flair's had to wrestle Luger for the last year. Good go, good God. He's looking at Steamboat going, holy shit, it's time to wrestle five stars now. Yeah. And it's so serious. Um, Dave's taking the jacket off. It's now the green shirt. Yep. No more banana now. 
And I love the uh, Tommy Young's got the Illinois steep patch that's obviously stapled on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's probably got a Bobby a baby uh, one of those baby pins or something. Safety I loved uh, I, I loved Steamboat's green tights. They're just awesome. Oh yes. Uh, what kind of shade of green is that? Is that that isn't Kelly green, right? Uh, it's it might you know it's funny you ask that because we were talking about Olive before with that with that uh, alternate Luger stat, uh, Luger figure you have. Um, yeah, I would say that's slightly brighter than Kelly, but it's not. It's too bright to be Hunter, but too light to be Kelly. It's almost like an in between. It's the Randall Cunningham heights. It is. It is. It's it's eighty. It's eighty nine Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, green. Good call. And of course, Flair in his usual red, which is one of his more common color combos. Now, see, there's a move you never see, and only Ricky Steamboat would be awesome enough to do it. When you do like the the you know when you do the Irish whip, and the guy drops, usually you just hop over him and keep going. No, Steamboat goes down and puts him in a headlock. Can't, and there's you never see that in any other match that anybody would do that. Yeah, and there's Brad, there's Brad Muster. Muster. He's got the Ric Flair shirt. By the way, do you know do you, do you know who was Brad Muster's roommate at the University of Stanford? And this is a fun fact. I'm trying to think who was at Stanford in the late '80s. It wasn't John Elway? I was well. well it well was before that. He was. He's not well famous nowadays as a football player. He's more well known for something else. Hmm. Stanford late '80s. I I can't think of it. Corey Booker. Oh, Corey, Corey Booker, the, the, the senator. senator from Jersey? Yeah, because he was oh. a tight end on that rest. So I like oh. to think some in, in 1988 or 89, I could imagine Brad Buster, Dave Meltzer, and Corey Booker watching a, a giant Baba match on VHS. I honestly think, and I'm and I'm dead serious when I say this, and I'll, I'll go back to the point now. Like I said earlier, I think I think Mel, I think Dave is sitting there going, "This match is five stars." If there's a good ending, yes, because we've uh, had three consecutive title matches and three straight stinker endings. Two of the three matches were really good, but the ma- the endings were crap. So I think Dave's probably thinking to himself, "Yeah, this if is- I get a good ending out of this, it's five stars." I. And I because I think, I think that the the endings were done on purpose to just get you like in to think something's up in this final match. Uh, you might be right. Uh, I, I you might entirely be right. I don't have a problem with that. I, I mean, I don't think we needed three of them. No, but maybe maybe the Luger Barry Windham one I could see because there's a correlation with Flair there. But I don't think we needed the weirdo ending of the tag match, and I don't think we needed the weirdo ending of the TV match. But the U.S. title match, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up what you're putting down. But I don't think we needed it for all three of them. No. But maybe that second one. Maybe that U.S. title one, probably. But also remember, it's like Dusty's gone now, so it's like – but you still have the people in the back of their minds about Dusty finishes and everything. So Right, sure. Yep. Wow. 
Because at this point in wrestling history, in the beginning of 1989, Ricky Steamboat, at this moment, is probably the best wrestler in the world to never be a world champion. Yeah. Like just pound for pound, best wrestler ever in the world at this moment that had never been a world champion. And they all know that he probably got screwed. You know, he probably would have been an awesome world champion in WWF, but that wasn't the way there. That wasn't their modus operandi at that time. So. And, of course, JR bringing up that both men are uh, located in Charlotte. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, Steamboat at this point, I think, was owning his gyms. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Flair's just Flair, but. Have you seen that uh, Flair documentary that's on uh, Peacock right now? Yes, I did. I did. Um, it was okay. Yeah. Uh, I thought the I thought the la- the second half of it was sad, you know, talking about Reed and and then he almost dies. Um, honestly, I thought the thirty for thirty was better. Um, if you want to talk about doc non wrestling doc not non wrestling but documentaries made by non wrestling groups, because the flare doc that they did on the DVD is great, but that's a wrestling doc. the The one they did, uh, the one they did. For the 30 for 30, I thought it was really good. And the Peacock one is solid. It's not great. I thought the second half was a little dry. but And it was also, again, just very sad. But what did you think? I thought it was I thought it was all right. It, was not, it wasn't really like the best documentary on Flair that I've ever seen, but it was it's all right. Yeah, it was okay. I thought the best I thought the the 30 for 30 ESPN did a few years ago was better. I think that's on Disney Plus right now. If I'm not mistaken. The 30 for 30? Oh wow. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely on ESPN Plus. Yeah, some of the uh 30 for 30s are on uh Disney Plus, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. And um I believe Pony Excess is on there too that we mentioned oh. earlier. That's a great one. Even even Steamboat's rocking an awesome mullet. Yeah. Flair just speaks for himself. His hair is just luscious. Oh, he's fantastic. Flair's hair is just amazing. I gotta say, the, the two best hair, two best people with hair at this time yes, were uh, him and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, I love I love my boy Jimmy's hair because you could Jimmy's hair you could just take off and put on a styrofoam head. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, at this point, uh, five days later, uh, trust me, as a cowboy fan, I know this off the top of my head. Five days after the show, uh, and it was actually February twenty fifth, uh, is when Jimmy is when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys, fired Tom Landry, which broke my heart, and then hired Jimmy. Just five days after the show. And that 89 Cowboy team was just... Oh, dreadful. Dreadful. Definite transition team. Definite transition team. And then and they, look, in one year, they went from 1-15 to 7-9. and nine, And they were 7-7 seven and seven after 14 games. But then uh, Troy got a concussion, one of like 900 in his career. 
And uh, or maybe it wasn't a concussion. Maybe he broke something. I don't remember. Anyway, Babe Laufenberg was the Cowboys' backup, and what? he proceeded to lose. Yeah, he proceeded to lose back-to-back games to the Falcons and the Eagles, and the Cowboys finished seven and nine and didn't make the playoffs. But they, they almost made the playoffs one year did, after one and fifteen. Didn't Jimmy? Did not Jerry get Steve Walsh? Like ninety? Uh, uh, Steve Walsh might have been hurt actually. Oh, jeez. Or maybe Steve Walsh was already in New Orleans by the I don't know. But anyway, it was Babe Laufenberg that started those two games, and it didn't end well. <laughs> as you might be, as you might surmise, it did not end well in those last two games in 1990. Well, but anyway, well, I it, was rick- it was rookie Emmett. So, yeah, exactly. And speaking of uh, rookies, uh, talking about pro set early, his 90 pro set card Emmett Smith is. Oh, jeez, oh, I couldn't imagine how much that is rookie card. Did he win the uh, – He had to have won Rookie of the Year. He won Rookie of the Year. I think Barry won the rushing title, though. I don't think Emmett won it. I think he won it the following year. I think I think Barry won the rushing title that year. Anyway. this What I've loved about the storytelling in this match early on – and, again, we're, not, we're talking about a guy like Ricky Steamboat, who we already know is, a, is, is a, just a stud. The first, like, five or six minutes of this match is Flair just being totally overwhelmed. Like, it was easy for, like, the story being told here is, in my opinion, is you've got, you've had Flair wrestle young, inexperienced guys like a Lex Luger, like a Barry Windham. He did have that little piece with Ronnie Garvin. But now he's facing a guy that pretty much knows all of Flair's moments. And... You know, all of Flair's transitional moves and everything and totally stonewalling at every move. And 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 that's just making the, the crowd just go crazy. Because Steamboat is totally out thinking. He's not just out wrestling Flair at this moment, he is out thinking him. And yeah. there's nobody in the world. Well, I don't want to say nobody, but there was probably very few in the world that could sculpt a match early on where you actually are out thinking. Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat's one of them. And that's why I enjoyed this first act of this match is that Flair's like, damn it. I don't know. What am I going to do here? I'm literally facing a guy that's probably smarter than I am. I don't know what the hell I got to do here. You know, it's just. Oh, here we go. <laughs> when I first saw Gary Young fall, I said, really? Oh! I'm sorry. Dave, Dave just marked the hell out of that chop right there. <laughs> Dave's like, five stars. I got it written down. It just better end right. Five stars. Just got to end right. I had this match at uh, – do I still have my – oh, I still have my ballot open. I had this match at uh, – I had this match at nine on my this, list. I had this at two. I had this match at nine. I have the Wrestle War match. I have the Wrestle War match at four, 
and I had the Clash Six match at number one. I, I had, had this match at nine. I think I had the Wrestle War match at like eight or nine. Like the Wrestle War match, eighty nine match is good. Don't get me wrong, but it's like the Return of the Jedi of this trilogy. Yeah, you know it's funny you say that, Greg. I I I agree with you. I think a lot of people, and and I'm, I don't know if Chad's still on, but I, I I'm curious his thoughts. A lot of people think that match is the best of the three. I think that match is amazing, but I agree with you. I think this, is, in my personal opinion, this is the second best match. The Clash match is the best match, and the Wrestle War match is the third best match. But everybody says the Wrestle War match is the best. This is the A New Hope of the uh, right the Flair Steamboat exactly, and then Clash's and the, Empire, and then... Clash's Empire. Um, now, let me get back to what I was saying earlier. So, Dave. Dave had <clears throat> so in case you obviously don't know, uh, I'll I'll spoil it a little bit, even though he's in the is in the uh, crowd. Dave gave all three of these matches five stars. He gives this one five stars. He gave the Clash five stars, and he gave the Wrestle War match five stars. That's that's well documented. But he also gave, and I I actually have this match on my list as well. There is a match. That they wrestled at a Landover at a Cap Center house show, yes, on March eight on March eighteenth, nineteen eighty nine. In between this match and the Clash, that Dave gave six stars. That match is on YouTube. You could find it. It's not. I've mean, seen it. I've seen it. It's yeah, like... I have too. I have that match at uh thirteen. So. Four, <laughs> four of my first 13 matches of my top 13 matches are these two guys. Oh, oh, <laughs> so, hold on. Where'd you put the Spring Stampede 94 match? Oh, Christ. Forgot about that match. Uh, I have that at, uh, let's see. Spring Stampede. I have that match, which is also awesome. I have that match at, uh, let's see, um, oh, I don't have it. Oh, jeez. I don't, I don't I, have I, that match. It's well, probably like 102. It just missed it. Just missed the cut. Well. Great match. Just missed the cut. In my opinion, it's the Revenge of the Sith of Firestein. <laughs> But you're gonna say there is there is no Flair Steamboat match that is a Phantom Menace match. <laughs> no. By the way, Andy, if you're listening, I know you're listening. Yeah, I cannot wait to do Attack of the Colton's with you. Eventually, you do all the Star Wars movies. Yes, uh, uh, we him and I talked. I will be doing. Uh, I'll be doing Empire. I think. And uh, I will be doing Empire, and um, I think I told him I do Rise. Of, he wanted me to do. I think he wanted me to do all of them, which I would love to do. But um, I, I probably, I'm probably going to do Empire, and I think I told him I do Rise of Skywalker. I think I said okay. I do those two. But okay, but uh, God, this match is so good. Yeah. Where do you where do you have the uh, Spring Stampede '94 match? 
Oh god, I don't even remember where if I still even have my original list. Um, I have my list. I haven't saved. I haven't saved in my uh, in my Google Sheets here, but because when I've done the top ten shows with Robert, it's just like oh, I don't care about eleven through hundred. I just care about one through ten. <laughs> although, although for this year, considering we or we did a show five years ago with the top ten, we're gonna when we eventually record, it's gonna be different. Because it's going to be the top ten of people we didn't cover five years ago. Oh, okay. So it's going to be a fun. That's going to be different, but fun. I actually think I might have it written down somewhere. I do uh, have. Uh, do I do have at, at number nineteen on my list? I have the Nasty Boys Cactus Max Payne match from Spring Stampede '94. I do. Okay. Have yeah, I did. We did cover that one. I can say. Um, we're definitely going to be talking about uh, Roman when we do that top ten because I because I had him at like twelve or thirteen in the uh, the poll we just did. So, mm. and who knows if we do it in another five years, maybe he'll be top ten. Mm. Never thought it would, we'd get at a point where maybe Roman would be a top ten, but I don't even remember where I put him on this ballot. The original ballot five years ago, I had him in, like, the 40s. I think I have him in the – he's definitely – I think he was – on my on this ballot I did, I think he was no worse than 15. God, this match is awesome. Oh, it is. They threw each other over the top rope together. Just tell him this is act two. Flair starts to do the war of attrition, trying to grind him. Act one was Ricky pulling off the quick – you know, the spots to cut cut off Flair's usual stuff. Nice suplex. Ooh. But yeah, if you anybody wants to watch that uh that March eighteenth, eighty nine Landover house show match, which Dave gave six stars to, you can find it on YouTube. It's pretty easy. It's I'm not amazed. on the network. It's it's not on Peacock. Yeah. I'm amazed that <laughs> That he was giving six star matches before Omega and Okada. Well, that I know, right? Well, that that match is uh, was was a retro, I think. Oh. I think he did that match a while back, uh, recently, because technically, the first match Dave, the first match Dave ever gave five stars to was Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask. April 21st, 1983, New Japan at Big Fight Series 2, night 19. 19. They had 18 19. previous ones. Uh, but a few years ago, he retroactively put, and it's funny we say this, Ric Flair versus Butch Reed for the world title at a Miami Beach house show from continent, from Championship Wrestling from Florida, April 7th, 1982. The reason Dave didn't do it originally was because the uh, Observer Newsletter hadn't been created yet, so he retroed it. So Butch Reed, Butch Reed's in a. There you go, Greg. Butch Reed's in a five star match. Okay, good. <laughs> Who ever thunk it? Um. Yeah, Flair. Flair. This is the part of the match now. Flair just starts laying the wood. Yeah, throwing chops, and now this is where Steamboat. This is now, see, there's a there's where he, this is the part of the match you go up oh, here you go steamboat took one chance missed it and now Flair's gonna finish him off and and we're done oh yeah 
I think that's what was, I think that's, that was the, and that's why, again, this match is five stars because we all got snowed because anytime a baby face takes a risk and blows it, that's usually when Flair goes for the kill and wins it. Oh, God. Oh. Ah. Yeah, I could tell where, where where they landed. And again, ring presence, another another piece of a five star match. Steamboat nowhere to drop that that move, so Flair could be near the rope. I mean, just one, two, no, just missed it. I don't know, Greg. I, th- I feel like you and I may need to do this trilogy here on Stream Lounge. Yeah. I think we need to do this. So maybe you and I in April, one of our April, because maybe I'll do more than one. Maybe we'll do The Clash, and then in yeah. May, we'll do Wrestle War, and that way we'll watch the trilogy. I think I, I think we might do that. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> hopefully they don't delete the Oak Ridge Boys performance off the uh, Peacock version <laughs> of Wrestle War. <laughs> I really want to see if they sing El Varo. Oh, God. Oh, my God. This place is going fucking nuts. Oh. Come on, Dave. Dave knows it. Dave knows it. Come on, Dave. Dave's got his jacked up polo shirt on. Yeah. Dave Dave is Vince. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he is. Dave is Vince. Here we go. Oh, no, Tommy got knocked out. Oh, no. No. When I saw that, I went, oh, Christ, really? This match needed a ref. I hate ref bumps at the worst time. I always said that I like, just as an example, I think the Shawn Michaels versus John Cena match from London is better than their match at WrestleMania 23 simply because of the ref bump. Why does a Shawn Michaels match need a ref bump? Why does a Ric Flair match need a ref bump? Ref bumps are crutches. Oh. These two guys don't need any crutches. No. Meanwhile, Teddy's like, Tommy, you're all right. Then, you're all right, Teddy. Then, uh, skin the cat. Did it again. Here we go. This is it. This is it. What a finish. There you go, Dave. There's your fifth star. There's your fifth star. But, okay, here we go. Tommy did. Tommy Young didn't see it. And here our fancy is like, no, 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 no. And then. I don't think you do. <laughs> That's the moment you say official. to yourself, do not, don't do not do Dusty finish this. And do no, not Dusty no. finish this. And that's what, when Tommy raises Ricky's hand, that's the moment, you know, oh, that, I'm like, this is it. Yep. 
Wow. Got it. Amazing. Oh, this is amazing. Nice, clean finish. Ricky rolls him up as Rick's going for the figure four. So good. God, so good. So good. This UIC Pavilion crowd, they're just like, they have oh, seen his Awesome. They have yeah, seen it was history. awesome. What a moment. I would have killed to have been there live. Killed to have been there live. Greg, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Great, this was a great show to watch. Thank you for joining yes. me. Yeah. They're just wrapping up uh, Magnum and JR. Uh, if you're watching this live, thank you for joining us. Uh, this will be in podcast form later in the week. It'll drop on Friday on the PTB Wrestling Network if you want to check it out again, follow along with the show. Um, but I think I've booked us now, if Greg uh, would be so fit to join me. I think I think uh, Greg and I have to watch the whole trilogy. So join us, and we get, obviously, Ricky with a with – a, uh, Huge interview after winning. Um, so I think in April, Greg, we will do Clash of the Champions 6. And we will watch match number two, which is, in my opinion, the greatest NWA WCW match of all time. And then in May, we will do Wrestle War. <laughs> yeah, Stan Lane in a towel. That's what we need. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. And then in May... Uh, I think Greg and I will do uh, Wrestle War, and we'll watch. We'll do the Return of the Jedi of the trilogy. So, oh my God, Ricky Steamboat drinking alcohol, <laughs> or is that just sparkling cider? <laughs> oh God, this is awesome. I mean, this was, uh, admittedly, this was a stick it to the WWF night. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Um, And then Ricky says. Is that Pillman? Maybe. I don't know. It looked like Pillman. Yeah, that sets up next month. Oh, there's a dark match going on. (laughs) And what's funny is the world title... uh, the world title changes uh, lasts the shortest. Yeah. Because um, uh, uh, Rotundo holds a TV belt for a while, and uh, and Luger holds the well. Luger holds a world title for almost a year and a half. Yeah. He doesn't lose it till he loses it to uh, till he loses it to um, Stan Hansen at Halloween Havoc '90. So. Yeah. Well, everybody. 
thank you for joining us. Uh, it was uh, an honor to present this to you. We hope you had a lot of fun. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at PTBN Wrestling. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Scott C. Podfather, if you so choose. Um, place to be.podbean.com. You can find the PTB Wrestling Network on all your podcast feeds, uh, catchers, whether it's uh, Amazon or uh, Spotify or, of course, Apple Podcasts. That's the big one. Uh, Greg, where can everyone find you? Okay, well, you can uh, listen to It Was a Thing on TV every Wednesday on the Place to Be Nation podcast. And also, new episodes drop Monday and Thursday on our regular Podbean feed at It Was a Thing on TV.com. We're available wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Obviously, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, like, and we're available on all social media platforms. At it was a thing on TV, except for Facebook, where uh, for some reason there was a screwy finish and there was a double pin. So Mark Zuckerberg, as a result, had to give us it was a thing on TV podcast. <laughs> That's awesome, awesome. Well, everybody, have a wonderful night. Uh, you know, here in the Northeast, it was freezing yesterday, but it's a little warmer now. Uh, and stay with us throughout the month of February. We'll do some more fun February shows here on Stream Lounge. Of course, we do a ton of movies as well. And I will be back definitely. You might see me earlier, but you'll see me back here on Stream Lounge on Sunday, March 26th, for a live watch of WrestleMania 3, as we'll be one week away from this year's WrestleMania. For Greg Diener, I'm Scott Criscolo. Have a great night. All right. Peace.